Those people who are joining us online, thank you. Uh, welcome. We are concluding a series uh, on Proverbs' greatest hits, and maybe some of you are saying, wow, that was a long service. I'm so glad that that's over. Hopefully not. And there's some people who, there's, there's a lot of people who really enjoy kind of going through a book of the Bible and, and, and preaching. And if, and if you're any kind of student of the Word, I would imagine that some of the things I talked about over the last couple of months have kind of intrigued you a little bit. And so the purpose of preaching is sometimes we think of preaching and speaking as being effective as a microwave. You know, sometimes we need to come on Sunday, and we need to get that jolt, we need to get that quick, that quick heat up. You know what I mean? God, be with me, I need that jolt. But preaching also sometimes has to be a slow cooker. It needs to serve as both. We need, we need those times where the teaching of the word gets absorbed into our hearts. And sometimes, sometimes the preaching of the word is like a hand grenade. We don't feel the effect until a little bit later. And, and maybe God is working slow motion on our hearts as we, we develop and we absorb the word of God. And I'm hoping that, that will have made a, uh, this, this series will have made a difference. And, and the other thing is this, is I believe that there is a prophetic element to the series. I believe that God is going to be calling us to a level of what I would call anointed wisdom for such a time as this. That you can go on your own personal knowledge or personal wisdom or, or, or conventional wisdom or book wisdom. But I think what I want to talk about and what I think that God is calling to us and we are living in a time where we need to develop a wisdom that comes from the throne of God. That there is a level of wisdom that God calls us to strive for. But the problem is, the other wisdom is easier and more predictable. And so we kind of go with that kind of wisdom. And, and, and we, we kind of go for the other kind of wisdom when the, when the emergency is upon us. And I think, you know what, there's something about striving continually for wisdom from God. Because that's what God is wanting us to strive for. And you see it. You see it. There is times in history where we have seen it happen. Um, perhaps you have not heard of an individual named Bill Bright. And it surprises me that the, the charismatic world has not heard of Bill Bright because he has done phenomenal things. Uh, do you remember the four spiritual laws? That's a Bill Bright thing. You know, Campus Crusade for Christ that has, is in so many universities and colleges? That's Bill Bright. Um, there was a thing called the Jesus movie before, before the chosen had come, but, but you know, a couple decades before there was a thing called the Jesus movie and it is estimated the lowest estimate that I have seen that is that 3 billion people have watched this Jesus movie up to 5 billion people have watched this Jesus movie. Millions have come to the Lord because of this movie called Jesus. It is in the Guinness Book of World Records for the most translations of this movie. Over 1,800 translations of this movie were brought throughout the world. Millions of people coming to Christ as a result of the Jesus movie. Bill Bright did that. And in 1996, Bill Bright was given, I think it was called the Templeton Award, which is talking about the advancement of religion. And with it came $1.1 million. And he dedicated all of it to pursuits that would enhance fasting and prayer. But there was a time where he said, God, my wisdom's not enough. I need to do something special. And God did something special. Many of you have heard of a guy named Billy Graham. Billy Graham 
has spoken, to, has spoken the gospel to more people in person in human history. And many of you don't know this about Billy Graham, but there was a time a number of years, like earlier in his career, where he did a study and said, how many of these people who are coming up to the altar are actually staying with, with the faith? And they found out that there was like maybe 5%. So like, like one, one in 20 people were, were actually sticking to the, commit, to the commitment. So what he said, he said is we need to create a follow-up system. So that's not just a prayer and they leave in there and they live the same life that they were before. There needs to be something more. And so he built into that. And some of the things that we incorporate into evangelism is all because of the follow-up that Billy Graham had created. Incredible, right? Another Billy, another Bill. Um, William Booth in the 1800s. An incredible individual. And he had many opportunities for a way that he could, could minister. But he said, God, what is it that you want me to do? And as he did that, he said, I, I seem to be hearing a sounding in my ears that are saying, where can I go where I can find such a lost people as these? Where there's so great a need for laborers. And what he did is he kind of went against the flow of that day. You know, happening over 150 years ago. Many times we don't really realize this. But he goes against the flow and he starts what is called the Salvation Army. Ministry to the poor, which revolutionized the world. And when he died, 150,000 people passed by his casket. 40,000 people at his funeral, including the queen. Absolutely incredible. And here's the thing. I'm saying all that to say this. Those who are brave enough to continue to stay on God's wisdom that he offers to everyone, those people leave indelible footprints. Maybe you haven't heard of Branch Rickey. Um, Branch Rickey was probably made more well-known a few years ago by the movie, which is called 42, and it was the story about Jackie Robinson breaking into the, into the majors. Well, Branch Rickey was the one who allowed that to happen. Not only that, Branch Rickey was the one who started the farm system the minor league system. And, and so he kind of started this minor league system and everyone else kind of balked at it. And then people got so tired of his team winning the World Series that they said, hey, there's something about this farm system. There's something about these minor leagues. And so what happens is the whole, the whole thing was, was organized and, and, and then eventually he goes and he calls on this guy named Jackie Robinson to come in. And, and people think, well, he started with the Brooklyn Dodgers. No, he didn't start with the Brooklyn Dodgers. He started with the Montreal Royals. Yeah. Go Canada! A Christian man loved Jesus with all of his heart. Asking God for wisdom. And God changed the whole system around. Racially, everything that was tied to that, that particular time. You know, it's not just in the, in the church realm that we see people who God calls upon and, and people who are digging in for wisdom and God blesses. I remember a number of years ago, my father-in-law who owned a, a nursery, a very large tree nursery. There was one particular summer where drought was so bad that he was in danger of losing millions of dollars in product. And he didn't know what to do. As a matter of fact, the whole area of Niagara was affected by this drought. Winter shoe was going to happen. And so... He said, I'm just not so good. I'm just so overwhelmed by everything. 
But instead of trying to figure what else he did, he said, you know, I'm just going to go to this, this full gospel businessman retreat that he was part of and kind of went the whole weekend. Really didn't get the answer he thought he was going to receive from God. But all of a sudden he sat there and he's at the altar and a friend comes to him and says, hey, can I pray for you? What's going on? He says, well, I may lose my business. I need God. And he told him the problem. This guy said, you know what? I have a friend. And uh, I think that he can help you. See, Lake Ontario was right near where he was. It's a couple miles from, from where the nursery was. And he says, I know that this guy can do this job to set, a, to set a line from Lake Ontario all the way to your farm, pumping it right through into your, into your irrigation ponds, and, and you'll be able to do it. And so they prayed together. He called this guy. And by the time he had gotten from Toronto or, or Peterborough area to Niagara, which is about a two-hour drive from Peterborough, they had already started digging the hole to put the irrigation in, and it saved the nursery. Not only that, everybody else in Niagara saw what they had done, and all of a sudden now, a majority of the, of the, uh, the farms are irrigated by Lake Ontario. And, and he said, I don't know what it was. It was just somehow God moving when I had nothing else to do. I had no other question in mind. There's something about wisdom, but there's something about anointed wisdom. And so as I close, I wanted to leave you with something that I hope is going to impact you. It's called the soul, soul purpose. If you've kind of been in the, the stream of things, I've kind of revealed the fact that Proverbs had some really dynamic foundational verses that we use often. But also what has happened through the book of Proverbs, what Solomon did is he kind of gave a message by repetition. So many times he mentions again and again these things, these topics that are important. And, and, and this is a particular case when he does it as well. It's a recurring theme throughout the book that he tells time and time again about who the character of God is. You need to understand the character of God. If you're going to be able to go ahead in life, you're going to have wisdom. You're going to have to understand this thing, which is a character of God, which if you really understand it, will affect your life. And so there are a number of verses, and I'll, I'll start to read them off. The first one is, is Proverbs chapter 16, verse 1. It says, To humans belong the plans of the heart, but from the Lord comes the proper answer of the tongue. He goes on to say, All a person's ways seem pure to him. But motives are weighed by the Lord. Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9. In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. One of the famous passages in Proverbs is trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him. He will direct your paths. A lot is cast into the lap, but every decision is from the Lord, says 1633. How about Proverbs chapter 19, verse 21? If we could show that one. Many are the plans in a person's heart. But it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And I think I have one more that is on here. And this one always stops me when I read it. A person's steps are directed by the Lord. How then can anyone understand their own way? Isn't that, isn't that intensely deep? Other verses. In the Lord's hand, the king's heart is the stream of water 
that he channels towards all who please him. Proverbs 21, 30, there is no wisdom, no insight, no plan that can, seed, that can succeed against the Lord. Why is he repeating these things? Why is he saying these powerful passages of this? It's like, hey, this is what you might plan. But you better figure out what God wants because what God wants is actually going to happen. And what I believe is a formula. Now, I don't know if I'm going to be able to get into all the depths of that because I'm not Solomon. I don't know all the intricacies of everything that he was saying, but I kind of have a formula that is worked out. That if we look at it, I think applies to our life. Whether you are in ministry, whether you own a business, whether you are a parent, whatever the case is where you are looking for wisdom. And the first part of the formula is this. It is that we need to recognize the fact that God is in control. Now, for those of us who have kind of been in the church world for a long time and we kind of get to know some of the, the, uh, the words in church, one of them that you don't often hear outside of the church is the thing which is called the sovereignty of God. And basically, the sovereignty of God is this. God does whatever he wants because he is God. Sovereignly defined as, as having supreme authority, control, and power over all that has happened, is happening, and will happening. It will happen in the future, in all times, across all history. Wow. It's like Psalm chapter 115, verse 3 says, Our God is in the heaven. He does what he pleases. Now, this is a double-edged sword. Because we have the comfort of realizing that God is always in control. But the problem is that sometimes he does things that we don't understand. And he's not polite enough to tell us why. And there are some things that take place that make no sense at all. And there will be some things that will happen to you where you are going to have to wait until you get to heaven until it's figured out. The sovereignty of God. And if you have been a Christian for any length of time, you will have run into this thing that we call the sovereignty of God. And it is recognizing the fact that God is in control. That's why it says in Proverbs 16, verse 9, In the hearts, humans plan their course, but it is God who establishes their steps. Many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. And the question we need to ask ourselves is, do we really Believe that this is true. Because if you don't believe it's true, you will perceive your own way, and like a dog on a chain, you will run in circles until, have you ever seen that? A dog running in circles until he ends up almost tied up to the post. That's one thing that's important to recognize that God is in control. But there's another part of the formula which I believe is important. It is the realization of the care of God. That God knows us. God knows us better than we know ourselves. And as a result of him knowing us and caring for us, this brings a great deal of comfort. That sometimes we're even blind to our own agenda. Proverbs 16.2, all the ways seem pure to them, but the motives are weighed by the Lord. Proverbs 21, 2. A person may think they know their way 
are right, but God weighs the heart. And so when we consider this, isn't it not a logical conclusion that if God knows the most intimate details of our hearts, does it not stand to logic that he will also work for your best? The word says, cast all your care on him. Why? Because he cares for you. He's sovereign. He knows everything. He knows what's going to happen. But not only that, he cares for you. And that's a big thing. You know, Psalm 124 verses 4 says, hey, God doesn't sleep. He doesn't slumber. He knows everything that's going on. And so it's important to understand, to recognize that God is in control. And then on top of that, to realize that God cares. Which leads to the third part of the formula. Because once you realize that God is in control, you realize that God cares, that will revolutionize the confidence of us, of the church, of the body of Christ. All of a sudden, this becomes good news to us. It becomes the realization that we can celebrate, we can celebrate this. And it's why it says, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. He works out everything to its proper end. Well, if that's the case, I can step out. This is the importance of what Solomon is saying. Solomon is saying, if you understand that God is in control and that God cares for you, that means that I can step out in him. That means I can take steps out. And that's why we have those verses that we love to quote. Romans 8.21, for we know that all things work to good for those who love God, you know, are called according to his purpose. You ever hear that passage of scripture? We read it. We talk about it all the time. Well, why do we know that's true? Well, because God's in control. He cares for us. And if God is in control, and he cares for us. And there's the second question you have to ask yourself is this. Do you really believe that God cares? Because many of us think, yes, God is sovereign, but I'm not quite convinced that he really cares for me. Because if you can put the two together, it all of a sudden means that we're able to step out and God wants us to step out. Because if you read Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, 6 it says this. It says that God Without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and rewards those who earnestly seek him. And so this is something that we need to understand. First of all, something that we need to understand in our, in our daily walk. Every single day that you get up, recognize the fact that, hey, there's a God who is in control of everything that's going in my life, and he loves him. If we could go to the next slide there, Dustin, that would be great. We need to understand that, that God works this in our daily walk every single day as you get up. All your good days, everything that happens, you're, you're understanding that as I walk, I need to trust in a God and have confidence in God who cares for me and has everything going on. We also need to recognize and understand this in our difficult walk. I was actually going to use the word uh, desperate walk because they're kind of the same and it's easy to understand it in our daily walk but what happens when faith doesn't make sense what happens in those times where where we are putting two and two together and it's not exactly eating uh, equaling four that sometimes we're in a desperate place sometimes we're not understanding what's going on and it's in those times that we really need to understand what this is all about. I think it's Paul Tournier. Let's go on to the next slide, this, and if we could. 
says this, faith is not a shelter against difficulties, but a belief in the face of all the contradictions. Hey folks, have you ever been those times where it just has not made sense? We need to see that. And sometimes a weak faith in the midst of predicaments and catastrophe makes a weak faith weaker. But for a strong faith, it makes us the catastrophes and the predicaments seem to make a strong faith stronger. So not only do you need it in the daily walk, not only do you need it in the, the difficult or desperate walk, but I think you need it in one more. It is needed in our dangerous walk. Dangerous walk. Why would God want to have a dangerous walk? Because God has not called us to live a life of comfort. Without faith, it is impossible to please him. If you're not going to take a chance and your life is predictable, how can you possibly please God? That God is always calling us to walk dangerously, to trust in him. If you really believe that he's in control, if you really believe that he cares for you, and God all of a sudden asks you to do something that's beyond your own strength and your own abilities, then all of a sudden it becomes dangerous, don't you think? You ever walked the dangerous walk? Have you ever had God ask you to do something you did not have the possible strength to do? I believe that God asks church, churches to walk dangerously. I believe in every church that has been successful, you will see a time and you'll go back in time and you will see that there was a watershed moment, a time where they were said, okay, we're going to have to trust God. A number of years ago, a number of decades in, in, in this church, there was a decision that was made. Okay, we're going to have to take a step of faith here. Well, we're going to, how's this going to happen? Well, I don't know exactly. I don't have all the pieces together. But one thing I do know is that there's a God who's in control who cares for us. And so we need to take a step of faith. And for those people who are willing to take that step, I think something special happens. For those people who are in touch enough to say, okay, I'm going to take that step out, I believe that they make indelible footprints that people all of a sudden begin to realize that God has done something, not them, like Bill Bright, like Billy Graham, like William Booth. All those people had to take time where they said, okay, God, I'm willing to walk dangerously. Question is, to you, whatever you're going through, are you willing to walk dangerously? For us as a church, are, are we willing to walk dangerously and please him? Well, it's kind of quiet in here. It's kind of a lot more joyous before I started getting a little more serious here. Um, I think it was William Carey that said this, Expect great things from God. Attempt great things for God. It's when you put these things together that you will have indelible imprints. I put together the name of uh, 10 people. I'm wondering if you know these biblical characters. Shama, Shaphat, Egel, Palti, Gadiel, Gadi, Emil, Sether, Nafti, famous people in Scripture. Oh, you don't know them? Okay. Let me add two more names that are associated with this. Joshua and Caleb. These ten guys 
said, no way. We're not going to do it. It'll never happen. We're going to tell people that we were like, look like grasshoppers in their eyes. Joshua and Caleb said, you know, I'm willing to live dangerously. I'm willing to trust. Yes, yes, what you're saying is true. That's true. But if you know God, if you know he's in control, if you know that he's caring for us, then I'm willing to take a step of faith. Amen? There's a story about, 100, about 200 years ago of a, of a guy named Jonathan and another person named David, and, and, and both of them were brothers. And Jonathan said this, I want to grow up and I want to make my mark, but I want to be rich. I want to do everything I can to be successful in what worldly success is seen. And, and what ends up happening is, is, is uh, from, from Europe, he moves to Listowell, Ontario, to Canada. And he starts in the farming industry, but then goes into chemistry, and all of a sudden things explode. He becomes extremely successful. So what happened to David? David said, I want to make my mark, but the mark that I'm going to make is going to be the mark with God, and I'm willing to do whatever he tells me to do. So he goes into Africa. When thousands of people, he goes into parts of Africa that people had never even gone before. At a point, he was lost, famously lost, until a guy named Stanley comes up to him and says, Dr. Livingston, I presume. And there is a, and there is a book, an Encyclopedia Britannica, and under the name... Jonathan Livingston, it says this, the brother of David Livingston. Those who take steps of faith, those who are willing to walk dangerously, those who are willing to walk dangerously with God, make indelible imprints. Are you wanting God to make indelible imprints with your life? Now, this is not my sermon illustration. I wish it was because it's brilliant. It's by a fellow whose name was Stuart Hall. But I, wanna, I wanted to kind of show it to you, if we could. If I could have my volunteer come, and uh, they can help me out. Now, in a church, there's a lot of jobs that have to be done, which require you climbing uh, to high and great heights. And so, I guess I should get my mask on. So, pray that I don't drop the ladder on everybody here. Let's see if I can do this. Voila. Now I have Joel with me. Joel's a pretty strong guy. So is the gun there, Joel. Damn. <laughs> now, I have more confidence because, you know, he's grown about a foot. He's grown about a foot. It almost seems like a foot this year. But this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take this ladder, and Joel, I'm going to ask you, keep it at this here. And what I want to do is I want to walk to the top of this thing here with Joel. Now, Joel, I just want you to know that I've trimmed down a little bit. So there should be no problem doing this. I want to kind of address those of you in the balcony, maybe eye to eye. So, Joel, are you ready? Okay. You seem to be a little nervous. You got like a bead of sweat running down there. Okay. Okay, so are you ready? No. Well, before I go, how many of you believe that um, Joel is in trouble? Raise your hand. Okay. Okay, let's trade this around.
Okay, now climb as far as you want until you're comfortable. See that? Now the thing is this. You know, I think you realize that because of my size and because of the strength that I have, that I could stay here for a very long time. For Joel, you okay? (laughs) Thanks, Joel. Come on down. Let's give a hand for Joel. I appreciate that. And so the book of Proverbs basically says this. What are you putting your existence on? What are you putting your weight on? What are you leaning on? Is it the economy? Is it a relationship? Is it the election? Because if we get our guy in for the election, it's still not going to be enough. Is it your health? Is it your wealth? Because if you are not leaning on the one who has everything under control, who cares for you, don't be surprised when everything falls apart, when everything comes crashing down. So God, I just pray that you will move. As the song says, God, make me brave. Don't let me be satisfied at the shore. I think you're calling me, whether it's in my business or whether it's in my relationships or whether it's as a church. Not to lean on my own understanding, but to trust in you. Because all other ground is sinking sand. It's unreliable. And as we conclude this series, the reality that Solomon tells us is this. God, you're in control and you care for me. So what I want to do is live my life with the confidence that you are there so that you can do great things through me. Praise you, Father. Let's just worship him. Father, we worship you. We thank you. No matter what happens in this election, Father, you're in control. Maybe there's some people who are here and they're just living a life and their life is out of control. Today they want to say, God, I want you in control. I want you in my life. I've tried all these other things, all this stuff that the world has said is going to work and it hasn't. And so I'm here and I'm empty and I need God. So for that person, Lord, may they come to you, ask you to come into their heart, their life. Just by praying that prayer, saying, God, I'm a sinner. I can't make it to heaven on my own. So I ask that you come in, forgive my sin, be Lord of my life. And when we hand Jesus absolutely everything, he comes in and he ministers in so God, I just pray that you'll do that. Whether, whether the people who are here in person or whether there are people who are, who are kind of watching online, I ask God that you move to us, do something special in our midst. Thank you for taking the time to listen. Let's continue the conversation online. Visit us at BethelBrandon.ca or follow us on Facebook.